wildflowers tremble and wave in the early summer sun. Something dark catches your eye deep in the thick grass. Is it a fox, a bear, a deer? No, it's just the nature of phenology, where we share the cycles and seasons of the outdoors. I'm your host, Hazel Stark. Those of us with an ingrained search pattern for the edible ostrich fern fiddleheads are on high alert in early May when the emergence of black flies reminds us of the emergence of those wild green delicacies. This focus on finding the edible fiddlehead has us looking more closely at the other fern species fiddleheads. Some that are stout with dense wool, others delicate and glossy in varying shades of reds and greens, but most have the tight iconic curl of a fiddlehead. One fiddlehead that is easy to overlook due to its penchant for breaking the fiddlehead dress code is bracken fern, but this common fern is impossible to overlook now as its large leaves have freshly unfurled and it is taking up a lot of space. Bracken fern fiddleheads in mid-May look to me like a set of three clenched eagle talons facing each other, not particularly fiddlehead-like. The fronds, or blades, follow and are triangular and three-parted with the stem, or stipe, about as long as the fronds themselves. The growth of bracken fern fronds relative to their stipe reminds me of a plate being balanced on a stick, a distinct horizontal plane balancing above a narrow support. They spread by underground stems called rhizomes, which means they can fill in an area easily and often grow in dense thickets. Like all ferns, they can also reproduce through spores, which act as microscopic seeds, even though they technically are not seeds, and can go wherever a fair wind will take them. This ability to spread contributes to the amazing range of bracken fern. With its circumglobal distribution, it lives on all continents except Antarctica and is likely the most widespread fern in the world. That almost weedy nature, combined with some toxic compounds in the plant, give it a bad reputation in some parts of its range. Livestock can die from eating too much bracken, and even humans who drink the milk from cows that have eaten large quantities of bracken fern may also absorb some of that toxicity. There have been major bracken eradication efforts in the UK due to this possible threat to livestock, despite it being a wonderful native plant. Of course, I always raise an eyebrow in these moments, wondering why so many people aren't concerned instead with the threat of non-native livestock in these native ecosystems, but that's another story. Despite the many toxic compounds, including carcinogens, in bracken fern, it is widely consumed by humans around the world, especially in Japan, Korea, and parts of China. They can pull this off by careful preparation. The main toxin is water-soluble and denatures in warm temperatures, so soaking or cooking them in water with multiple changes of water is one way to reduce the quantity of that toxin. That said, there are higher rates of stomach and throat cancers in populations that eat bracken regularly, so it's all about preparation and moderation. I, personally, am not brave enough to try it yet. I think I'll stick with ostrich fern fiddleheads for now, as here in Maine we are so fortunate to live in an ostrich fern haven. But bracken has also been used for many things that don't involve ingesting it. It can be used for dyeing fiber like wool and cotton, for covering plants or vegetables for winter storage, and for livestock bedding. Bracken thickets also provide shade and shelter for the plants and animals that need it on the forest floor, like mosses and snowshoe hares. For such a beautiful and ubiquitous plant, there are many strong opinions about it, good and bad, the world over. But you can strike up your own opinion about bracken fern the next time you're outside. Look for the fresh green fronds divided into three, newly unfurled and on a single plane above a thin stipe. 
look for the hidden world beneath that green ceiling and see what negative things you could possibly think about it. You can download this episode and find a link to the transcript, photos, information about podcasting, and more on our blog, linked at archives.weru.org. Have a nature question that you want us to answer on our show? Let us know. Thanks for listening, and please join us next week for another dive into the nature of phonology. Ooh, ooh, ooh.